welcome to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. I'm Peter Larkham, and today we're talking with Lisa Richards, a grief recovery specialist, and we're going to talk about grief and bereavement. I know, not the happiest topics, but these are two topics we all experience at some point in our lives. We're going to explore different types of grief as I get my head around the fact that not all grief involves loss of life. So here's my conversation with Lisa Richards. Welcome to Mentality Meets. My name is Peter Larkham, and today we're going to be talking with Lisa Richards. So now, today is an interesting one uh, for me. It's the last Mentality Meets of 2020, uh, which is also just a little bit weird, because this year, for me, has also flown by. Uh, I can't quite believe that we're at December already. But the other reason that this is a bit of a weird one for me is because we're going to be talking about grief and bereavement. And I have promised myself that we will talk all things mental health, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I I have that feeling going on inside of me that this might be one of those kind of slightly ugly conversations. But it's so necessary, though. Uh, and I, I'm really hoping that during this time with Lisa that we'll be able to unpick this idea of grief and bereavement uh, and be able to settle it within our mental health and our mental health journey. Thank you very much, Peter, for inviting me to talk today. It's a great honour to uh, to finally get to talk my, to speak myself because I've I've been watching this series unfold and it's been amazing. So thank you for for allowing me to do that today. I want to talk about grief and loss as opposed to just bereavement because we talk about any sort of loss. Bereavement isn't just the only thing when we think about loss. It's it could be um, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, so being made redundant, retiring from a job. It could be, yes, divorce. It could be, it could be miscarriage. It could be, it could be any sort of loss or life change that we experience. So just to to kind of frame that, uh, if if I if I can, and why am I talking about it today? Well because I've had a lot of grief and loss in my life, quite frankly. Um, initially, I will just tell you that when I was 19, I grew up in a, what I would say it was a normal house, in a normal family, had a brother, uh, a mom and dad. And sadly, when I was just about to leave home, my mom decided to try and take her own life. Now, as you might imagine, that was quite devastating, to say the least. And because it happened in the 1980s when there wasn't mental health provision, you know, nobody talked about mental health. It was a big stigma. My my father, I took my leave from my father, and he just kept stum about it. He didn't speak about it. We never dealt with it as a family, and we just kept calm and we carried on. And that was fine until I did my college course and I got a job here. Which I'm, I'm based in Shropshire started started work was enjoying my life and then I had a nervous breakdown and I didn't see it coming because it was years after this initial loss 
Now, what I need to say is my mom didn't actually physically die, but she did damage her brain to the extent where she couldn't function and couldn't be left on her own. So every time I saw her, she was a living memory of what happened. And that happened until she died, which was only nine years ago. So at the point where I had a nervous breakdown, I was desperate. I was alone and I thought about ending my own life. Um, the, the thing that kept me going or the thing that persuaded me not to do that was I saw what had happened to my mom. I saw how devastating it was to my family and I chose to live. I chose to pick up the phone and I phoned the only person that I trusted, which was my father. And while he was probably having a slight meltdown on the other end of the phone, he stayed really calm. He listened and he said, I need you to go to the GP. Do, do it today and phone me when you've done it. And that's exactly what I did. And that was the first step to my mental health recovery, if, if, if for want of a better phrase, which lasted about 20 years. And I went through therapy, I went through counselling, and I got myself back to a stage where I could function and I could, visibly, I looked fine. I looked normal and I was normal. The trouble was I had this weight of grief inside that I couldn't let go of. And I carried it round on a search until I found the grief recovery method in 2017 through a well-being at work event, strangely enough. And that's when I realized that it was still there and I still needed to address it. So I used the grief recovery method. I let go of the grief that I had. And in so doing, it worked so well that I became, I trained as a grief recovery specialist and subsequently as a mental health first aider. So that's the sort of holistic sort of perspective that I have now. Brilliant. Just amazing. <laughs> uh, what, a, what an introduction to a session, you know? One of my questions is, I was 11 when I had my first experience of, of grief. And it was my cousin. So my cousin was three years old. Uh, and she went into hospital uh, from my memory on a Monday and had died by the Thursday. None of my family really knew what was going on. And it just ripped our family apart completely. And I dealt with it as an 11-year-old, you know. Uh, and then I didn't experience uh, a death in the family till I was kind of mid-20s. And I found it quite interesting that in that mid-20s place, I was really afraid of how I would grieve because I only knew how to grieve like an 11 year old. I didn't quite know how I was meant to grieve as a young adult. Um, and I just wanted to find out, is that, is that normal? Am I normal, Lisa? We know that I'm far from normal, but is that a normal process that people often find themselves in if they've experienced kind of a grief situation earlier in their lives and uh, to a later? There is no normal when it comes to grief. All grief is unique. That's what we we believe. That the reason why we say that is because all relationships are unique. So the relationship I have with my son or my brother or my father, they are all different. So our grief is different. And what we get into the cycle of is almost comparing losses sometimes which you sort of described, 
I grieved as an 11 year old and as a, in a sort of teenage twenties. Uh, so you had nothing really to latch onto. You knew you shouldn't perhaps grieve as an 11 year old, but you didn't have the tools or the, you had misinformation if you like about grief. And that generally comes from our parents. We look to our parents to guide us, to instructors in a lot of things that we do when we're growing up. So we're encouraged to, you know, get a good education and find find a good job, find the perfect partner. Find the, Nobody really tells us what happens when we lose something or someone. And in grief recovery, we talk about the six myths of grief and the first two are sort of interrelated. When you perhaps have your first um, experience of loss, it may be as a child and it may be um, a, a pet. And invariably what happens is that the, the child looks to the parent to say, please help me, I need some guidance on this. My, my pet has died. And I, I want you, you know, to tell me how to deal with it. And invariably, if it's, say, a goldfish or a rabbit or something, the parent says, oh, don't be sad. They had a good life. Cheer up. We'll go and get you another one on Saturday. And what that does is not validate the child's feelings because they are sad. And what it tells them is, it's, it's not okay to feel sad or to feel bad that something has happened, the loss has happened. And coupled with that, we'll try and replace the loss, which is not dealing with the feelings that you have. It's giving you a new pet to replace that loss, but you feel different about that pet. You don't feel the same. So that loss isn't dealt with and you get distracted to deal with a new pet. So it's it's that sort of misinformation that is is meant well but actually doesn't tell the emotional truth for a child. You know, I find that fascinating just as a just as a, as you've been talking through that process because I know that that is something I've been through and I know that if I'm not careful it's something that I would very easily put my kids through. Uh, because we seem to copy what we've experienced. Um, and on a total side sweep, so my son got uh, sent home from school this week because uh, a member of the class got tested positive. And so they were literally walking out the front door and we got this email to say, don't come in. Everything shut down there. He stayed at home. My wife went off to del- deliver the other child to school and that's him done now for Christmas. And there's no goodbye to his friends. There's no playing anymore. There's... None of that. Uh, and I was about to head on to another course. So I was, I was in that headspace of going, gosh, I, I literally have no time to just sit with my son and process this. Uh, and so I just kind of called him. I said, are you OK? And he just had that moment of, no, not really. And I was just like, ah, what's more important in this moment? And it's so easy just to, what? Don't worry, you'll be fine. It's all good. Yeah, all right. And just dismiss the intricacies of of those feelings I suppose at that time and I suppose kind of the other question I wanted to ask is is grief purely a death thing 
Now, I'm kind of guessing not, but just talk me through some of that process, would you? Yes. We say that grief is the normal and natural reaction to a loss of any kind. So it could be something positive. You could be wanting to move house, okay? And you are very excited about the house, the new house, that, you know, it's going to be bigger, it's going to be better. Your hopes, dreams and expectations are pinned on this new house. Except that, so you're, on the one hand, you're feeling happy and excited, but also you're potentially grieving for the house you're leaving behind, which you may have had some fantastic parties in, some wonderful memories. It may have been the house you first moved into after your parents, you know, you'd left your, your parents' house. And it's, it's that sort of conflicting feeling where you're happy on the one hand and you may be a little sad and a little reticent on the other hand. And you can't quite reconcile those feelings. But when it's a positive choice, we don't acknowledge the loss. We kind of just say, oh, we're, we're focusing on this good thing and we've not acknowledged the loss. So correspondingly, when something not so good happens and is imposed on us, like lockdown, we then have to deal with the conflicting feeling again but we still don't know how to process the loss bit. So we then haven't necessarily got the positive to focus on. So the second definition, and it's a bit like love, really, grief has more than one definition. It's not just about death and sorrow and an outpouring of grief. Grief is the conflicting emotion. And when I say conflicting emotion, it's like a bittersweet feeling, which I've just described. On the one hand, you might feel happy, on the, on the other hand, you might feel sad or like your son, well, this isn't acceptable really, but I can't, I might be angry. You might be angry. So grief is the conflicting, of, uh, the conflicting feelings when a familiar pattern of behavior changes or ends. So that really describes every life change that you can imagine. So that's why it's not just about death. I, uh, I'm, my head is kind of pinging all over the place with this because I don't think I'd actually contemplated lockdown as a grief scenario. But as you talk about it, yeah, there's a whole heap of things that I miss. Uh, and that we, we spent a lot of time thinking, ah, oh, but when we get back to kind of when, when normal returns and, and we've kind of been in lockdown now for, for long enough to realize that actually, is it going to get back to, to that feeling, even with the vaccine and everything else like that, which is a whole other conversation. Um, but I just never thought of it in the context that actually some people may just simply miss being in the office and having that grieving process, miss uh, the relationships that they had, miss, I mean, this Christmas, choosing which family members or friends we want to spend our Christmas with, which means excluding other people, you know? Uh, and I was talking to a client where um, he and his brother were going to spend Christmas with their parents, but it meant that their two sisters couldn't. And their two sisters are actually the, the got the grandchildren and everything else like that. And he was feeling really guilty that he had taken a place with his parents and therefore the sister. Just weird processing, which means that grief is not just a death thing, but it's a it's an any context where we feel this sorrow. We'll get back to our interview in just a second. 
I want to tell you about a video course I made called Mentality. It's a one hour mental health video course delivered by me. It gives you the need to know essentials to spot the signs of poor mental health and take action. So here's what other people have said about it. Maria said, I was surprised how it made me think about myself and even my friends and family. Patients feedback said, mentality is eye-opening. It helps you support someone to get the help they need, perhaps potentially saving their life. James's response says, it was the best course I've been on. I had the attention span of a gnat and I was gripped for the whole time. You see, poor mental health is devastating so many people all over the world. And yet, despite a general recognition that there's a problem, very few people know what to do. We miss the signs of poor mental health, or if we see someone struggling, we don't know what to do. And that's where mentality steps in. It's the need to know essentials on how to spot the warning signs and take appropriate action to respond. All packaged together in a digestible one-hour video training course for your workforce. It's designed for everyone, because every person, whoever you are, can be affected. To access Mentality, simply visit www.mentality.work. That's www.mentality.work. Click on Enroll, add your details, and enjoy. Mentality. Spot the signs and take action. And now here's the second half of our interview. And now, Lisa, for you, uh, in the context of this and, and this grief process and the fact that it's not just death, but it's any form of, of loss, um, that then brings it back into relationship breakup or separation or divorce or, uh, like you say, the house move and other things like that. And for people who may have never realised that those situations have created a grief context, how do we go back? Can we go back and heal that grief? Is that a possibility? Or is it just something we now have to come to terms with and it is what it is and let's move on? The answer is yes, you can heal and you can recover and be more resilient in the process. That's really what grief recovery is about. And that's the reason why I feel it's why I feel I needed to train so I could share this experience with lots of other people because it was so revolutionary for me. I had such an extreme form of grief. You know, my grief was layered because just, just, just at the end, um, my father looked after my mom for, for the whole of his life. He he retired, you know, he lost his job. I thought I was going to have to leave college because of it, because you know, how could he support me? And anyway, it was in the days where we got grants, which was amazing. <laughs> so, so I carried on at college. But my dad sadly passed away 11 years ago. And at that point, I then became legally responsible for my mother's care. And that was just the worst thing ever for me, because not only had she left me in 1986, I now was responsible for her decision, which I had no part about. So when she did actually, she she passed away two years after, I literally just sorted out oh, my dad's estate and everything. And my mom suddenly had a heart attack and, and, and died. 
And that was completely out of the blue because her mother was still alive. She was in her 90s. And I thought my mum would just carry on forever. So, yes, the, the, I'm trying to think of the original question now, but <laughs> the that series of I had a domino effect in five years. I had five bereavements of my father, my mother, my grandmother, my best friend and my mother-in-law. My, I was... I'd just become a new mom, so I was trying to bond with my son. And my husband got made redundant several times in that. And I was just, my head was pinging all over the place. And that was, in 2013, I just said, right, that's enough. I just need to enjoy my life. And that's what I tried to do, but I still had this grief inside. So when I managed to let that go, suddenly everything opened up for me and I could see loss in a different context. Yes, I had to process the loss and it is possible to process that using the grief recovery method because it's a process developed by a griever for grievers, okay? And that's, that's really what it's about. Thank you for, for that explanation because it, it just kind of goes to show the 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 way that things ping off and uh so often in the mental health training we say that it's not just one thing that often happens in people's lives is it it's a one thing to the next to the next to that and it's this ripple effect that seems to go out i really want to begin to explore that idea of of letting go of the loss because it's such a simple thing to say isn't it and yet it's such a hard thing to do and I just want to ask how can people who are feeling that ache feeling that loss how can they begin to come to terms with that and like you say let it go so as they can begin to see things differently and enter into a a next phase for them in the the grieving process it's about completeness when we have a conversation so we're having a conversation now And when we finish that conversation, what do we say? We say goodbye. So when we've finished here, we'll say goodbye. Thanks very much. It's been great. That is a complete conversation. Okay. When we have an argument with somebody or something happens and we are not able to. So say somebody had an argument with somebody and then they they had an accident or something that argument, the, the, the things that are said in the heat of the moment that people may not mean, they get left in the ether. They, they're incomplete. So you may not get the opportunity for, for whatever reason, whether it's lockdown, whether it's bereavement, you know, those kind of things. Your, your son, you know, the, the school, he doesn't have that complete conversation. It's just been cut off. So his emotional distress is incomplete. And by listening to him and hearing what he said, he felt validated. He felt that you heard him. Okay. And I'm guessing, but I don't know, he felt a lot better when you'd done that. I'd like to think so. (laughs) Yeah. It may, it may still come out in, in something else, but Grievers need to be heard. So 
we don't talk about grief. We, we do everything that we can to avoid talking about grief. We may cross the road because we don't know what to say. It doesn't matter that we don't know what to say. What grievers want is an acknowledgement. You acknowledge that they are maybe having some emotional distress. If you invite them to speak and you say, how are you? I know, I appreciate you may have had a loss recently, but I want to know how you are in this moment. They can tell the truth in this moment. Yeah, they can say, actually, I'm fine in this moment, but half an hour ago, I wasn't. But you're giving them that space and that opportunity to just say, somebody's acknowledged me, I can speak, and I, I feel that actually they'll listen. So really, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything at all. Just listen. I, I think that's a great place to, to wrap this all up. And so if you are going through any kind of loss or any kind of grief, find people to talk to. I think that's what we're saying, isn't it? Uh, if you're in a company, you have something called an employee assistance program or an EAP. And you can access counselling uh, for free and totally anonymously through your company. Uh, if you don't have access to that, you can contact the IAPT, IAPT. Uh, so Google IAPT in your local area, and it stands for the Improved Access to Psychological Therapies. Otherwise, look for private counselling in your local area. If your work provides um, private health care, then just tap into it, but make sure you can find someone that you can talk to. So as we can create this closure and move on from our grief. And we also need to just clarify that grief and mental health illnesses are not the same. Okay, there's grief and there's mental health illnesses. They can blur, um, but they are separate. But if we don't support grief and if we don't help people get through grief, then that could very easily turn into mental health illnesses. So do be aware of that. Look out for yourselves. Take care. Uh, we are at our Christmas time this is the last session for 2020 we will be doing something in the new year we don't quite know what it is yet so we will keep you posted uh through the emails that you've been getting to to log into these sessions but i just hope as we draw season two to a close lisa thank you so much for your time uh, and i hope that this as with all of the mentality meet sessions it has been helpful insightful slightly uplifting if at all possible but you guys, once again, have been absolutely awesome. I have been Peter Larkham and this has been Lisa Richards. Thank you so much for your time today. Take care. God bless. And bye bye now. So what have you grieved for this year? Did you even realise that you'd lost something? And can you complete the cycle of grief to allow yourself to heal and move on? This is the last Mentality Meets for 2020. And we've got a massive engagement that is available to watch on our YouTube channel, as well as catching up with the rest of the season on the podcast too. So I'd like to take a moment and thank all of my guests for this season. You remember, Mum on a Mission, Emma Tomes, talking about the suicide of her boy's father. Child soldier, Emmanuel Jarl, talking about how mindset, resilience, habits and beliefs make positive change. Comedian Dave Chawner with words of encouragement to his younger self. Creator of Man Gang, Andy Bishop. And then Matthew Loynes, Lauren Silver, Matthew Holman, El Jamanga, Anila Rose, Laura Willis, Jeff McDonald, Sam Griffiths, and of course, Lisa Richards. And may I take this moment to encourage you to stay connected and reach out if you need support. Please also leave us a review on the podcast as it really helps get the word out there. 
And thanks again for listening to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. Thank you.